0: Welcome to a whole new episode of Faith in the Everyday Podcast. Welcome everyone, welcome back to Radio Maria Australia. You're listening to the Good Morning Show and I'm delighted to continue our insightful journey with uh, this special edition of our ongoing series, dedicated to exploring the captivating and diverse vocations within the Catholic Church. Um, Throughout this series, we take a dive into the profound spiritual callings that shape the lives of those devoted to their faith, from sisters, nuns, to seminarians, to couples. Um, Our goal is to engage in thought-provoking conversations that shed light on the unique pathways that lead these individuals to their vocation. Furthermore, we'll explore the profound impact that these callings have on both their personal lives and the communities that they serve. So join us as we celebrate the beauty and significance of this vocation and endeavor to inspire others on their own journey of discernment within the church. And today, we have a special guest in, you know, in our series, Brother Lawrence. I've actually been trying to get Brother Lawrence for years, no, not years, for months. <laughs> For months but I am glad he's here because when I got given this opportunity to talk on the radio you I heard him in my mind I was like I want to get Lawrence on this show so Lawrence thanks for coming bro Thanks John you make me sound more epic than I actually am. <laughs> oh, you are epic I promise Wow I have um, privilege. And also for those who listen to the show to the, I mean to the program to the station you know that um, Brother Lawrence is the voice behind one of ru Maria Australia's uh, program called the Myth Pilgrim a Catholic podcast exploring how fairy tales and myths can nourish your spiritual journey. You know, the ultimate goal and vision of the Myth Pilgrim is personal conversion and a deeper love for Christ, His Word, and His Church. Brother Lawrence MGL explores theology alongside Disney, scripture alongside the Lord of the Rings, saints alongside Star Wars, and so much more. So um, tune in uh, to the station to listen to this program or on your spotify playlist to listen to this beautiful podcast but lawrence thanks you for coming to the show man thank you uh,
1: it's a privilege I've actually i'm very nervous uh, i was just saying to john earlier i'm used to interviewing people for like a podcast but i'm not used to being interviewed so but i'm excited and <laughs> no, just amazing work you guys do at radio maria oh, thanks man
0: do you love to interview people lawrence like do you get like what do you get from that when you talk to people and interview people
1: Yeah, I do. I I think, uh, well, first of all, it's very hard to find um, opportunities to just listen to someone. And especially if I'm interviewing them, I'm interviewing on something they're passionate about or I've identified. And just to have that space to dialogue and to share passion and kind of mutually get each other other excited is is something I love doing. And. As you can probably guess, most of the interviews I do are for my podcast, The Myth Pilgrim. So I'm often drawing on someone's nerdiness around, you know, like, you know, the Little Women's Story or um, yeah. Star Wars. Or I'm thinking of doing something um, with a, a fellow priest, Father James, on Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> so that's something we've been percolating and he loves um, that, that film, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. wait either. Yeah. That's
0: beautiful. Um, Lawrence, obviously you are Catholic, which is the most obvious um, statement <laughs> that I've ever made. Um, I would like to know when did that begin for you? When did Lawrence know, oh, it's actually God out there and I have faith in, who introduced the faith to you? Was it mom? Was it dad? You know, And
1: where did you actually um, um, grow up? Mm. So as much as I can say I was born and raised a Catholic, um, it wasn't until I was maybe 15 or 16 that faith and and I guess a belief in God really started to come to my forefront. Um, I was quite, i was start by saying I was quite disappointed, um, disillusioned by my experience of church growing up. It was very cerebral, very kind mm-hmm. of um, just um, task oriented. It wasn't really about a relationship with God or listening to his call or anything like that. And And coming from a Chinese background and a Chinese Catholic background, mum and dad were loving, I I love mum and dad to bits, but still it was very much like, you must go to church, it is very important for you, and all this, 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 your growth is important in God. But I didn't know what that meant for me, nor did Mm. I particularly care. So I was, um, yeah, from kind of that teenage years, I started becoming interested in the Lord of the Rings um, around that time. Mm. And I loved it to bits, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to the story and the themes and what it makes me feel when I watch the films. But it wasn't until someone mentioned that, you know, the author of The Lord of the Rings is actually a, a Catholic, right? So J.R.R. Tolkien is not only a Catholic, he's a devout Catholic, great love for Mother Mary and the Blessed Sacrament. Wow. So I kind of go, well, what inspires a man to write something of this this caliber, of this timeless quality that has spoken not just to the West, but to East as well, like all over the world? It's, you know, the highest quality. Selling book mm. in the West, um, aside from the Bible, right? That's that's wow. no small statement. Yeah. So I kind of sat with that for a while. I'm like, all right, so something about Catholicism is important. Then I got to go to World Youth Day in 2008, and that became the most significant experience for me. That was almost my, also my last kind of hope in terms of Mm. a lot of young adults and my parents were kind of saying just go to world youth day if you don't like the faith if you think it's all you know hogwash and just you can leave you know and i was pretty much kind of had that mentality Mm. um but yeah going to world youth day look a lot of things happen there's a whole testimony here but i won't go into that today (laughs) what i encountered was beauty as in artistic beauty in terms of its art uh, the church's art the culture um liturgy um just the way of me realizing what inspires such beauty, you know, and then when I got to listen to someone called Christopher West, talk about St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body, talking about sexuality and marriage and masculinity, femininity, something within me lit up and I said, no one can make this stuff up. The truth is so beautiful and it's so poetic and it's so consistent with my experience of beauty in the Lord of the Rings and and Narnia and, and the Lion King. Something must be true and real. And Lord, if you are if you are the one inspiring this beauty and this, this imagination, this Catholic imagination, I want to give my life to you yes. and I want to know. Wow. And I say this because my own conversion experience, unlike maybe many other young men, it wasn't primarily an intellectual one where I kind of reasoned and argued my way into the faith or whatnot. It was through my imagination and through beauty and through story so and that's become a bit of a shaping pattern for my conversion even as a young adult now growing into an adult
0: wow beautiful lawrence when did the whole idea or concept of religious life um, like when was that introduced to you you know when did you first know about it and how did you go about discerning one you know why and how did that all come about
1: yeah good good question well The seed was actually planted at Sydney World Youth Day. Like I kind of thought part of my, at least as a 21 year old, my thought was, well, if this is um, real, then I want to give my whole life to this. And the only way I thought I knew how to give my whole life to this was to become a priest. Uh (laughs) Um, I mean, that's not necessarily wrong, but it's certainly now I know it's certainly not the only way, you know, a person can live out there calling faithfully, live out, you know, as a, as a married man like yourself. Um, But I think it, so the the question was really planted then when it became apparent was i was sort of working so i finished my studies i I finished a um, industrial design um degree Mm. um you know did a bit of animation work outside of that and worked as a graphic designer for a number of years but it didn't satisfy um and i knew it and it's that strange feeling and that's kind of cliche but when you're doing everything you love. Mm. um, that you think you love in terms of your passions, your talents, you know, following your dream. And I was even making a documentary on another world youth day experience I've been on with the Chinese community wow. in Madrid. And even that didn't satisfy. So this sort of parrot on the shoulder was like, maybe I was, um, made for another, another way of a being mm. another mm. calling. So I took the old discernment journey quite seriously that year. This is ooh, dates wise. I can't remember. I would've been about 25 then, yeah. um, and I, I i sought out a a i was quite surprised he agreed to see me a very old very very old wise um franciscan priest father campion murray who has since um passed on but he was very sick and, and old when when he saw me but um yeah he was my i guess my first spiritual director and um he said a number of wise things to me around discernment but one of them one of them was you know will give yourself to the end of this year and make a decision. God honors your decision-making faculty Mm. as well, but do do what you can to actually discern. So, and what happened was uh, by the end of that year, and I didn't realize this, nothing was was planned. um, A parishioner said, hey, I'm going to the Holy Land and my wife who was going to go can't go now because she's sick. Do you want to come to the Holy Land with me? This was in December. And I'm like, what, you know? And so (laughs) suddenly I knew this trip to the Holy Land was meant to be a time when I was meant to really Discern, but ought to make a decision. Yeah. And I, so I did the radical thing and I encouraged this with anyone going to a pilgrimage. Do not take a phone, a camera, laptop, anything that would distract you from why you're there. So I didn't. All I took was my journal and had all these other lovely aunties take photos for me. <laughs> um, but that became the, the moment when I knew. Wow. Um, again, wow. a testimony I can insert here, but I, yeah. for time's sake, I'll just say that. Um, when I went, the first thing I wrote in my journal, flying on the plane to Israel was, Lord, I'm not ready, I'm terrified. Um, but if this is your call, make me ready. And by the end of the pilgrimage, I knew then and there that my life was not my own. It wasn't my own, therefore it wasn't mine to protect and save. And that, you know, I was the Lord's and therefore I want to give my life to the Lord. Yeah. However, knowing that he can and will make it flourish. Yeah. And that was when I decided, you know,
0: so actually, I remember a, a story you gave about um when you were in I'm not sure what country this was, but you stepped out, and you and there was just um there was just celebrations happening. There was a lot of celebrations. <gasps> in. Yes. Where was that?
1: Like Brazil? No. That was it. Close. It was in Peru. Peru. And yes. and that was the moment where. So a bit of my own background. I'm a missionaries of God's love brother now, and one of the charisms of the missionaries of God's love is we're a charismatic order so we're open very open to the the gifts of the spirit and moving in the spirit in a radical way mm. um and I think the story you're recalling John was a testimony I once gave where how I first received I guess my charismatic gifts of the gift of tongues and the yes. gift of praise yes. for me and and that was a very pivotal moment in my life so I was I would just been prayed over uh, by something called baptism in the Holy Spirit yes. just to receive this gift of the Holy Spirit in a radical new way and I was kind of very curious about, well, if the Lord's drawing me to the missionaries of God's love, I better be able to speak in tongues. So <laughs> I had no idea what it was because, again, I was just didn't grow up with that kind of context. And yeah. I was like, it's, it's just uh, suspicious. But I, I asked for that gift because it seems like those around me, all the brothers who have joined, have a real gift of freedom in praising and praying for others. And it seems like a very angelic language. So I asked for that gift quite nervously. And also for the gift of praise because, again, I'm very introverted and quiet and very heady you know cerebral so the gift of the idea of losing kind of using my body to praise was quite foreign to me so anyway long story cut short when i was in lima in peru on my last sort of trip before joining the brothers um i saw before this was about you know in the middle of the trip i was at a youth hostel looking out at about 11 p.m on the feast day of saint rose of lima Mm. And from the balcony, it was really loud because it's a whole fiesta going on downstairs. Um, I saw the city piazza, the square, and in the in the kind of the end of the square is always a cathedral in the Spanish sort of style town. The cathedral was lit up with beautiful lights and and fireworks and you know water shows and everything. And and all I saw from the balcony, which is about you know five stories high, was this this church drawing literally drawing people from left right and center all around gathered around the church you know young people old people reunions you know you know kind of just parades Mm. i saw the church prophetically at that moment the lord said to me this is what i want the church to be and i want lawrence you to build this kind of church for it to be the focal point and the gathering point and the and the focus of civilization of all culture to be the hub once again of civilization and That was the moment my, a couple of things happened. First of all, my personal vocation grew up and kind of like, now I know why I do things like the myth pilgrim, because it is about bringing and gathering all of civilization and culture back around Christ and his church again. But that moment, something within me wanted to just praise the Lord. Like I wanted to, I knew this was a very significant moment. So I automatically felt my hands lift in the air and it was late at night, no one could see me. So I wasn't self-conscious. And it was at that moment, John, that the gift of tongues arrived. Beautiful. It was this, because I didn't know how to, pra- I didn't want to praise with my yeah. human words. Something else just bubbled up within me. And that was this profound freedom, this release of the gift of tongues. And so it's a very pivotal, sacred moment for you that I even come back to when I struggle in my vocation and my identity. And i it's all, oh, I'm just a fake, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. I come back to that moment of calling. Yeah, yeah.
0: Live yeah. as a seminarian, as a brother. Now, what are you, Brother Lawrence? Are you a seminarian or your brother... What is the distinction?
1: <laughs> oh. I think um, okay, I'm a brother. Yes. I yeah. to be honest, don't know the exact definition. I think a seminarian is someone in the diocesan oh. formation. Is that right? Or maybe I got that wrong. I'm totally well, in, wrong. In, i am just embarrassed the, myself in, in front of all the you.
0: Seminary formation, I think, something like that.
1: yeah Yeah. okay i put it this way a brother uh, someone can remain a brother and never become a priest so um i believe a seminarian is always on the journey to become a priest whereas because i'm part of a religious order so religious order being someone like the franciscans the salesians dominicans i'm part of the missionaries of god's love we can choose to actually stay as a brother and remain as a brother if that's what the lord's calling that's right um, so that's, that would be a difference between a brother and a seminarian because some brothers are actually brothers for life. Yes. Um, you know, living the charism of the religious order without necessarily going on to mm, diaconate yeah, and priesthood. Yeah. Um, so I'm very open at that stage in my journey. So, you know, I still feel the Lord is calling me to the priesthood, but at the moment I'm just ministering as a brother.
0: Yeah. Yep. Oh, thank you for that. Honestly, Lawrence, appreciate <laughs> it. Um, and then a life of a brother, obviously, you know, it involves a very distinct lifestyle you know could you describe your your daily routine like you know what does brother lawrence do when he wakes up and you know what do you do during your day how do you you know fulfill various roles in your community and and you know the service of faith as well like what do you do
1: okay so so john currently i'm in actually staying not so much in the seminary house where the rest of the brothers normally are i'm actually staying in the presbytery um where the parish priests live and you know kind of where the ministry sort of at St. Benedict's here in Burwood um, takes place. Mm. Um, Yeah. So my own routine is a little bit different now to seminary life. When I was in the seminary, we would wake up at um, six, six six-ish, or or earlier if you wanted to shower and get ready and everything. (laughs) You know, we'd have, and always missionaries of God's love begins with an hour of adoration. Doesn't matter whether you're a brother, you're for your first year in your pre novitiate, or whether you've been a You know, like Father Ken, who's been around since the dawn of (laughs) the missionaries of God's life. It's always an hour of adoration, and that's that's something many people don't know about us. That we, we, even though we're charismatic and we're very extroverted and doing big events, we're actually a very contemplative Mm -hmm. order as well. Mm -hmm. So an hour of adoration, then we have. We normally we have. um, We pray the Divine Office together as a household, um, the prayer of the church, followed by Mass um when i was still studying at at college here at ctc my theology and my philosophy we would have a very quick breakfast and then rush off Mm it would be a mad car conversation you know getting lunch ready and then we'd rush off to college and then depending on how many subjects we do you know Mm -hmm. depends on how many days we're at college and then um in between we'll be trying to get our recreation our second hour of prayer in we always encourage we have that first hour communally but our second hour minimally we, we 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 do it ourselves and that can be your own bible reading that could be going for a walk for me i'm quite an artistic person so i do a bit of creative writing or um, art sometimes or just reading i love reading as well um and yeah we would often do um, be involved with some sort of ministry some experience so that could be helping out in the parish running a youth group could be giving a talk Mm. um visitations yeah so it really depends on the calling of the individual brother yeah um yeah, that's sort of like the basic basic routine, and then on the weekends we would also have our own commitments in the parish. And um, but yeah, while in seminary, the missionaries of God's love is it's heavily dominated by it's structured by our study. Yeah, uh, we believe that the Lord and His His love can be encountered through the mind. Mm-hmm. So that's that would be the real focus of our time here. Um, but at the same time, one of the things I love about the MGLs is brotherhood. Um, but that's not just a byproduct of, oh well, well, you're living together. You might as well just, uh, you know, uh, get along and we'll call it brotherhood. you know We yeah. actually intentionally build and seek out opportunities to grow together, to get to know one another, to do life together. Yeah. It's actually one of our three pillars. We call it like prayer, brotherhood, and mission are the three pillars of the missionaries of God's love. And Beautiful. so we do have d- days and times of the week set aside for brotherhood. Kicking the ball around, barbecuing, watching a movie, board games. We love board games. Um which really kept us all sane and going during COVID, I think, when a lot of other people genuinely were struggling because yeah. of isolation. Yeah. We were overly bombarded with brotherhood. Oh, I mean, we had no challenges as no well. Choice. But um we, we really had like we call it the COVID batch it was really strongly close knit because we were just there Beautiful. for one another yeah. during that time.
0: Lawrence dedication to your vocation often involves sacrifice. I think to any vocation, really, whether you're married or you're, you know, you're a priest or brother, no matter what it is, you know, that you do, there will be some sort of sacrifice involved. What are some of the personal sacrifices you've made yourself in order for you to live out your brotherhood and your vocation? And how have those sacrifices enriched your personal life?
1: Okay. Um, I think one of the big ones for me was, so I was working beforehand. I was working in quite independent, had my own car, had my own stuff, you know, my own routine. Yeah. One of the biggest sacrifices is, you know, I was talking about brotherhood being an important pillar. Living, okay, living in brotherhood can be challenging as with, you can imagine, any living in any yeah. community because there is sometimes just no right and wrong way to do things. It's about you know, living in a creative tension, even something as basic as, I know it sounds trivial, like kind of, oh, brother's worry about this stuff. Um, People's different cleaning habits around like the kitchen and and, like say some people just cook a bunch of stuff, which is great, and then leave stuff in the sink for another, See, even, do we leave stuff in the sink or leave it outside the sink? If you leave it outside the sink, you can come back and clean it later. But if you leave it in the sink, it sort of imposes on the next chapter to come along and like, hey, I (laughs) wanna clean my own stuff. But realizing culturally, some people just want to eat their meal hot, so they don't bother cleaning up with all this stuff. I and mean, then they come back like five hours later to clean it. Whereas in my household, it was like, no, you pretty much, you know, you, you clean as you go, as, as you, you cook, go. so that when you, you know, you might have one frying pan to clean at the yeah. end, but, you know, and yeah, the, your lunch can go cold, but that's fine. You know, You've <laughs> but that drove me insane. <laughs> it still does actually sometimes. But it's learning to dialogue, you know, um, love and respect, you know, learning... I think we do conflict resolution really well in the missionaries of God's love in terms of part of our vow in brotherhood is actually to honor one another and to, for example, never publicly um, dissent against the brother. If there's an issue, privately find the right time and, and approach that brother you know, with the attitude of learning. Yeah. So learning all these skills are critical in, in, in a leadership position. Now I'm stepping into more and more in, a, in the parish because like there's so much human dynamics going on, right? There's yeah. the spiritual stuff. We love God, but half our spiritual life is human because God is both, human and divine christ right so half our stuff we learn in the missionaries is human dynamics and human holiness and what that looks like emotional intelligence you know so we do a lot of focus of that information and it's great
0: community obviously lawrence is a cornerstone of religious life you guys are you know, living your vocation as a brotherhood, you know, how do you foster a sense of brotherhood? People ask me, hey, you know, are brothers allowed to watch movies or are they allowed to play video games or, you know, what do they play board games, you know? How do you foster that sense of unity and community? How do you guys have fun, you know, in the brotherhood?
1: Hmm, so a bit of context to my answer first is, the missionaries of god's love take a vow of radical poverty so we actually literally don't have money or a lot of kind of spare cash to spend on things like movies and and video games but it's also a a vow of living simply like simplicity um so what that means is we find creative ways in which we can build brotherhood um but without necessarily going into the excess of needing expensive things so something like a movie i think brotherhood movies are great like i think especially with with a little bit of leadership it can be a real um bonding experience like i remember during there was a time when we everyone like watched a lion king together and it became this memes around the house where we're just like remember who you are and things like that it was really funny uh with mufasa voice and you know debriefing what struck you and you know how did you feel when this character did this and yeah um yeah, and we, we do need downtime because our life can be quite intense, intensive as well just because of the, the – it's like a full-time student, right? That's hard enough. Plus, <laughs> you're living in community. Plus, you're doing ministry. Plus, there's family dynamics at home. You know, a lot of the, our brothers are international, so it's like how do, you, how do we navigate that? Mm-hmm. So we do need downtime to just kick a ball around, yeah, play sport um you know go for walks, hang yeah. out and just just eat food, <laughs> yeah. enjoy cooking and and um, that was great during COVID. We had these cooking bonanzas. Oh yeah. Um, but all within the creative how do we do that within the vow of poverty. Yeah. Mm. Obviously
0: as a brother Lawrence, brother, deacons, priests, you guys obviously engage in various forms of services. Now and for yourself, like you said, you are now part of the parish and you help lead and and you know sort of Spare a couple of the different ministries in the parish, how do you determine what areas, you know, you want to jump into? How do you determine the areas where your service is needed the most? You know, and how do you bring the love of Christ to those you serve? You know, how do you also balance personal faith and the demands of ministry?
1: Mm. Okay, there's a few questions in there, all, all worthy of good answers. Um, okay, well, so it's always this creative tension of knowing your own gifting and calling and charisms, and then discerning the need of the church. Mm. So I'm always finding that's a really it's a really beautiful place to surrender to God because God also knows and has gifted me with particular talents and gifts. Like for example, I love teaching, I love um, storytelling, and and creative ways of you know kind of expressing Catholicism. Yeah. Um, so I can be like, this is the only thing I do. I'm only gonna be a teacher. Whereas, um, for example, one of the things I discerned with the parish at the moment, St. Benedict's, is um, a real hunger for spiritual direction, for for need to go deeper. People wanting to learn how to discern the will of God and to um, have someone nurture and journey alongside them. So that was because of that need I recognized. I actually did feel particularly inspired to to do a, a a course in spiritual direction, as in to train to be a spiritual director, mm. which is what I did last year. So part of the reason for that was like, yes, it's not necessarily a calling, my, my kind of my first calling, yeah. Um, but I felt there was a need there. And there was a, my own healing journey through spiritual direction. So I recognized it would it'd be valuable anyway. And as it turns out, as I began to be trained as a spiritual director, my love for people and myself and God's creative genius in the way he works in people just just completely flourished and so now i'm like oh i wouldn't imagine doing anything else Mm. um and finally my creativity and my art and my storytelling comes out through spiritual direction i'm able to use images and even drawings i've done to help people express and identify with them you know so Mm. the lord sort of honors that both both, and, you know, both the needs of the church and also um, your own individual charisms, I feel. Absolutely, yeah. yeah.
0: Now, Lawrence, um, challenges are part of any vocation. You know, if you are married, if you are, you know, a brother or a nun or a sister or, or whatever, a single person, challenges are part of any vocation. What are some of the challenges you've faced as a brother and um, how have you, I guess, navigated it? How has faith played a role in helping you? navigating that challenge
1: authenticity <laughs> i'm finding is it can be a real challenge because when people relate with me are they relating with brother lawrence or they're relating with lawrence oh, yes. and yeah. which and then the question is who am i you know like what is who is brother lawrence when he goes to a friend's house in you know, a close friend's house and just crashes on the couch and eats ice cream is that Brother Lawrence or is that Lawrence? And is it okay to be either or? Yeah, yes. <laughs> so oh I my. wrestle with that all the time because yeah. on some, whether or not we like it or not, and it's quite a natural, beautiful thing. We are public figures, so there's a way in which people watch and look up to us in a way that can be helpful, but can be unhelpful at the same time. So I've always got to be aware of what, so, you know, if I'm tired and I'm just a normal sort of a, a lay person, I can sort of ignore people and just walk off and go to my car and go home right after mass. But as a, as a public figure, what is the authentic Lawrence? I might be tired, had a really difficult conversation. And then someone's like, Hey, brother Lawrence, I want to talk to you. And then like, how, what's my response? So that's where there's both the sacrifice and the challenges comes in is i'm not just me i'm also representing the church i'm also representing the missionaries of god's love and christ himself mm. so that can be a challenge and i'm always wrestling um, if you ask me again in 10 years time i might have another answer but that is something i'm always working through and yeah. navigating relationships and boundaries as well like you know i i want to relate to everyone equally and i have my preferences too i like, to like I want to talk to that person more but who am I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm available for everyone, you know? Um, Absolutely. So, Absolutely. you know, maybe that's a sacrifice as well, yeah. you know, around <laughs> navigating relationships and boundaries and things oh, like that.
0: Beautiful. Oh, thanks, Laurence. Final question. What advice for people who are trying to discern the way young people and I've met actually people who listen to this, to the podcast and to the radio as well. Um, I know personally who are actually trying to figure out if there should be nuns or should be, you know, brothers or, or married like you know what's your one advice if, if you have one you know for them to, to figure out what god's will for them is
1: okay so aside from prayer having a prayer life daily prayer life that's that's a foundation that's a given yeah it might be helpful to ask as a young person ask the question who is god and who am i hmm. why i say that is that's my own experience the, the real question I needed to wrestle with wasn't, What am I called to, Lord? Where do you want me to go? That's an important question. The first question I didn't ask was, Who are you, Lord, and who am I? Um, there's a beautiful, I'll probably end with this, is a beautiful place to end. There's a beautiful passage in uh, a few of the Synoptic Gospels where Jesus turns to his apostles and goes, who do people say the son of man is? And the apostles are like, oh, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist. And Jesus is like, yes, yes, but who do you say that I am? And then it was Peter, good old Peter, who says, oh, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, you know, the one who's to come into the world. So, and then at that point, Jesus turns to Peter and says, ah, so equivalent of now, Peter, now that you've confessed who I am, I will now confess who you are. And then Jesus responds to Peter, and I say to you, Peter, on this rock, I'll build my church. You know, Um, so he gives Peter his, not only his identity, but also his mission. But firstly, Peter had to confess who Jesus was. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. So that was my experience when i could confess that jesus was my lord and my king and that my life didn't belong to me Mm. then jesus revealed to me who i was Uh, you are lawrence and you are called you are a beloved son of mine and i am calling you Mm. to be not the pope (laughs) not like peter but to to join religious life to be a priest and that's the most freeing life-changing experience of my life and i wake up every day knowing that's what god's called me to Mm. and i can step forth in full freedom
0: Thank you so much, Lawrence. I, I feel like I, I want to end the interview, but I feel like I can't end the interview without asking you this question. Your sure. favorite movie. <laughs> you have to tell us favorite Oh,
1: that is tricky, tricky. Because it keeps animation, favorite okay.
0: movie, favorite Okay,
1: book. animation's easy. Lion King. Ooh, Head and sh- yeah. There's nothing near it. Yeah, Lion King. Uh, yeah okay yeah. the movie okay this is gonna sound funny considering i'm doing the myth pilgrim it's actually not a classical myth it's actually called the sound of music oh, <laughs> yes. it's The 50s right that. there's musicals you know this roger and hammerstein sort of <laughs> okay. um musical i just love it it Same. it's just a hope-filled uh faith-filled um movie that always hits the spot it's mm. timeless it just shows the best of humanity even in the worst of circumstances yeah. um Highly recommend it. I've I'm scandalized when I meet people who haven't seen it today. I'm like, what? What? It was like my childhood. That. You can't not have seen you know. Um, I've seen it many times. Just like Lion that. King. I'm like, you kind of have seen Lion King. But if you haven't heard of the sound of music, like goodness, that's the priority after you listen to this uh this little um well after you get off Radio Muriel, which you should be on, which is a, a great programme. Yeah. Watch the sound of music. That. <laughs> yeah. Actually,
0: the the Alleluia in that song, I love it. Hallelujah.
1: love it, I love
0: <laughs> it. Just... F- favorite book, favorite book, Lawrence, and there we go.
1: The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's probably not much of a surprise. The trilogy. I know why I asked yep. that. I, I yep. know that. <laughs> yes. that because of what it meant to me. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yes, of course. And is that? This is where it's a bit of an ignorant question, but the Hobbit is that a same, Is that a different book to? of the rings the hobbit is that different a different book
1: yeah so it, it is it is a different book it actually came first the hobbit so oh. J.R.R. R. Tolkien wrote the hobbit first as a sort of a children's tale and because it did so well the publishers asked him to do you want to do like a oh. sequel <laughs> he didn't just do a sequel he spent like 17 years writing what is now known as the lord of the rings wow. so the stories have continuation it's not necessarily a prequel but it is as it has it is the same world same in the same world. ring yes yeah. you know, there's, there's wow. character development stuff yeah Lawrence, so. thank
0: you so much. I could keep going, man, but I have to, <laughs> have to end no it No worries, mate. You're thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. You're welcome. And it's a great privilege to be on Radio Miria, And God bless all the listeners. God bless. Thank you. See ya. See, Lawrence. You see ya. Bye.
0: Thanks a lot, guys, for listening to The Faith in the Everyday Podcast. Just remember... Now the interviews on this podcast originally air on the Good Morning Show on Radio Maria Australia every weekday at 8 a.m. Check us out. God bless.